everyone, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions on film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and today we will be diving into the system, because today we will be talking about The Crown, Season 5, Episode 2, The System. And it might be a little bit straightforward, but you know what? We got a familiar face. That's always fun. We got some 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 bicycle drama, and that's always fun as well. So I think uh, let's just dive right in. Joining me as always are my two co-hosts. First, a man who's pretty familiar with some bicycle drama and the dangers of bicycling uh, bicycling through a city. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, have you ever faced any road rage like what Doctor James Colthurst faced uh, in this episode? Uh, here in the Netherlands or back in the U.S.? I guess I was thinking here, uh, like where you are in the Netherlands, but maybe back in the U.S. I mean, in the Netherlands, like cyclists rule the road. Like, if you're if you're a minivan driving in the city, like you're you've got a target on your back. You're the one that needs to be careful. And I guess that means that there's been no incidents in the United States. Uh well, I didn't live in a very bikeable city uh, there, so I guess no, but just by default. Fair enough. Also back with us today, a woman whose next book will be submitted via cassette tape. It's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, when you're ghostwriting a book, is this how you like to do it? Oh, I I wish. That sounds a (laughs) lot more interesting. I mean, it'd be very time consuming. So part of me is like, no, but also why not? Like the celebrity is going to be difficult. So why don't you be difficult too? Um, okay, so right off the bat, we always like to disclaim that if you came here for any factual clarity about what you saw in this episode, if you think that we know, we don't, so don't ask. Um, we are just going to assume that everything that we saw in this episode is, you know, that's what it is. That's the way it happened, and uh, we're just going to go from there. So let's dive in. Carlin, can you give us a quick recap of The Crown Season 5, Episode 2, The System? Yeah, so like Sam said, it was pretty straightforward. We kind of have two main storylines. So on one hand, following the death of Leonora, who was the five-year-old who had cancer in the last episode, who was part of like sort of, I don't know if they're cousins or family friends of the royals. So she passes away, unfortunately. And so Elizabeth sends Philip to their estate to talk to sort of like give some flowers and give sort of comforting words from the family to the grieving parents. And it's there that Philip sort of starts talking to Penny, who it was, is Leonora's um, mother. And they actually, she's about 30 years his junior, but they actually have a surprising connection as Philip sort of connects with her emotionally. And then he starts talking about the fact that he has taken up carriage riding as a sport, I guess he had an accident with polo and sort of couldn't continue it in his old age. And so he now does carriage riding, which I guess is like a it's a full sport. And Penny surprises him by being like, we have a carriage and sort of brings out this decrepit but very like impressive carriage. And Philip and her work to repair it. And they sort of form this very unlikely but pretty like good friendship together where they have a lot to talk about and they both bond over carriages which is kind of nice and meanwhile we have diana who gets approached by this journalist named andrew morton who basically says like i want to write a tell-all book about you and we could have a correspondence where we have a middleman with her friend i forgot what is what's his name james colthurst James Colthurst, who would be a middleman of like, Diana would give James the tapes and James would give the tapes to Andrew. So so Diana would have sort of 
the ability to deny that she was ever a part of this, but she would be able to tell her story. And so Diana agrees to do this and starts sending these like very like devastating tapes about like her emotional state. She talks about how when she was pregnant with William, for instance, she threw herself down the stairs and stupidly was trying to take her own life. And just like these very like bombshells. We're talking some some bombshells here. But sort of as this interview process goes along, there starts to be this increasing paranoia James is almost run off the street while biking, as we were talking about before. And just Diana starts to get paranoid that this might not be the right move and this might have some really bad repercussions for her. And this comes to a head when actually Philip gets word that this book, it, that Diana is considering or has started writing this book. And so she, <laughs> Philip does a second version of what we saw in the last season where he approaches Diana and is like, I understand we're both outsiders. Like I'm on your team, but please, but stop doing this. It's going to cause a lot of problems. It's not as threatening as the last one, but like he's he's trying to get that message across. And of course, Philip leaves the interaction thinking that he succeeded. That Diana is not going to do anything. But lo and behold, the book comes out. It is a massive success, and the boat has been rocked. Yeah, I mean. I might be jumping the gun a little bit here, but I was honestly a little bit disappointed by this episode. I felt like the major story beats were all things that we've seen before on The Crown. Like this, nothing here felt new. Well, except for the carriage riding. That was new. <sighs> yeah, I, I would actually go so far as to say that this might be one of The Crown's weakest episodes, just right out the gate. Um, you know, you had two very simple, straightforward storylines uh, that were you know, told like competently, but like didn't really dazzle in any way. Like, I mean, all the stuff that Diana was putting on tape was like, so, I mean, just like weighty and, and should have been like uh, something that you build an entire season around. But instead it was kind of like, it came and went uh, with, without, uh, you know, too much gravitas to it, at least not as much as I think it deserved. Um, and then uh, you kind of string these storylines together in the most lazy fashion I have seen. Like it, it was literally like Penny telling Philip like, oh, by the way, I, uh, you know, we, we heard some rumors that like Diana is getting involved in a tell all book, like, which like, I, I mean, assuming that this is, uh, you know, a creative liberty that the writers took, which I'm assuming it is. It was just like one of the laziest pieces of writing I've seen. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I thought, uh, yeah, that this this episode did not do it for me. I mean, it, it kind of feels like, at least in regards to the Diana and the Tello book storyline, that we're going into a place where the audience is assumed to have like, it's almost like having done homework to have like already known the contents of this book from real life to where they're just like, oh, like people know, we're just going to give little sound bites. But it's like, if you're a viewer, it's like, what? this is new information. Like what happened? <laughs> Like, yeah, it feels mean? like there was there's was so much more about that book and uh, Diana's revelations that could have been unpacked in this episode. And instead, we got carriage riding. Yeah, from a from a story beat perspective, the conversation that Philip ends up having with Diana to me felt very similar to the conversation that they had at the end of season four. Yes, wasn't it, it yes. the exact? It was pretty much the exact conversation. This could have worked better as the season four finale, like that, this aspect of their relationship, like if you end season four and it's like the same conversation, but Diana has at least dropped the bombshell of like, oh, 
you know what? I spilled everything about the royal family. Boom, that's the end of the season. I feel like that's a good finale. Oh, I mean, like yeah. time jumps, but they could have at least done something different with this conversation or not had it at all. Like, I don't know. Well, like not only were the two conversations very similar, but this was definitely like the less compelling version. Uh, where Whereas in season four, I, I feel like the, you know, Philip had sort of, presented this case to her in, in a bit more of an inspiring way. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, Elizabeth is the beautiful center of the universe and it is our duty to support her and, you know, lift her up and make her shine. And, uh, you know, we, we give our, ourselves to her and it, it, it's all about like this, you know, beautiful institution that we need to support. Whereas like this version was what much more half-hearted. It's like, yeah, it's a system deal with it. This is what we're a part <laughs> of. I mean, come on like it's the system it's all about the system and the interesting thing is at no point does he try to actually appeal to her in a way where like you can see sort of the changes in her life where it's like you know what this is also about your kids too like there's no attempt to write creativity here like come on philip and writers like yeah let's we're, let's... we're, we're, we're coming in hot on crowning around this week like we're yeah. we're jumping <laughs> straight into our disappointment but I mean, like overall, like it's an enjoyable episode where if you like turn your brain off, except for that one scene took me out. Like I couldn't get past the one scene. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. We're like hearing these names that I think as we get closer to the modern age, where like you kind of know them is kind of interesting where you're like, ah, Andrew Morton, a cameo I recognize. I think we deserve to be critical. We've waited two years <laughs> for them to, you know, come out with season five of The Crown and then they give us this. Come on now, we can do better. We can do something new. Yeah, I, I mean, really, even just by merit of that scene where Penny tells Philip about the the book, like I, that just immediately disqualifies this episode from from my respect, if you will. <laughs> wow. Um, this I'm also noticing so far in season five, they're like very big on metaphors here in season, oh I know in season five, like in season one, very very overt. There was a connection between Queen Elizabeth and the HMS Britannia. Here in season two, it's all about Philip. You mean episode two? Or sorry, yeah, sorry. Here in episode two, it's all about Philip. And every time he looks at the sky, there's a giant bird of prey. Like, what is, oh, man. What is this? So deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> season five, very big on, on symbolism and metaphors. Heavy handedness is the word you're looking for. Yes, correct. But yeah, this was the first. Philip episode that we've gotten here in season five. And this episode, I felt like Philip more closely aligned with the Tobias Menzies Philip that we got last season. He was definitely much warmer um, than I think we got in the premiere. Um, he seemed a little bit more, I don't want to say confident, but like more decisive in kind of like the decisions that he was making. I just, I understood Philip more here than I did in the premiere. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think part of it is that like Philip has always been the type of person to have like very unilateral focus on one thing at a time. Uh, you know, he becomes like obsessed with things. He he has like hangups and like he can really only like process one subject matter on any given day. And like right now at this stage in his life, it's the carriage riding like that. That's what he, you know, lives and breathes. And so it's all he talks about. It's all he wants to talk about. It's all he wants other people to care about. Like this is like me when I got into antique cast iron cooking a few years ago. Like I, I made it my whole personality and and that's what he's done. 
Although I will say there is a bit of growth in terms of like, he didn't seem as bitter and unhappy with the change between polo and carriage riding, which I did appreciate. Like in that little interview, he kind of just seemed like, ah, you know, I can't do this thing anymore. So I found a new thing. and I'm really excited about it. As opposed to when he was like really mad about his plane riding getting derailed. I I would imagine that because carriage riding is probably like a much more niche interest compared to polo, that part of the reason he likes it so much is that he can like quickly become one of like the top people in the field. (laughs) Because there's five people in the field. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I still don't really understand carriage riding. Is, Is it a race? Uh, or is it going through an obstacle course? <laughs> we saw him like during his montage win a trophy. And so, yeah, I don't know if it was, yeah, like an obstacle course where he had to perform really well or if there was a race. Like, it seems like it'd be a dangerous way to race, but yeah, I, the woods. yeah, but he, he seems to be doing really well at it. Does he now have to care about horses? I mean, I, I, I think, think he, he cares less about the horses and more about like the, the vessel that they're attached to. I would imagine you need good horses for that, though. I don't know. I mean, one could argue that the wheels are just as important. Mm, He's neglecting his horses. You just know it. Okay, so this episode is all about the relationship that Philip develops with Penny. We met Penny last week uh, in the premiere, although she didn't really say anything. She was just kind of a background character. Penny is played by Natasha McElone, who I think doesn't age because I feel like she looked the same when I saw her in the Truman Show, which was like 25 years old at this oh my point. God, yeah. right. <laughs> it, 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 I, I had to, like, she, she's one of those faces that just kind of like, you know, haunts you. Like you see her on screen and you're like, <laughs> wait, where did I see her before? And, and, you know, then you eventually get the Truman Show, but you're like, wait, but this is the same exact person. Like she, like how, how, how does she look exactly the same? Yeah. And I feel like she always does a great job. I feel like whenever I see her, she's playing somebody sad. So she's she's nailed it. You know, we uh, we meet her in the context of Leonora, who in the last episode, I thought they said was in remission, but uh, her five-year-old daughter has passed away from cancer. I guess the relationship is Penny's husband, Norton, is Philip's godson. Is that correct? How is everyone godparents to these people? <laughs> Also, to have an episode with both a Norton and a Morton, come on. <laughs> um, so Philip goes to like express his condolences, and Norton is not there. Poor timing, I guess. But Penny is there, and so that's kind of like the beginning of this relationship that they have, because what do you know? Penny has an old carriage in her garage, and who is your, uh, I almost said Europe. Maybe it is Europe's foremost carriage-riding expert. It is, of course, Prince Philip. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I thought this was kind of sweet. I mean, it's kind of just falling into Philip's obsession aura. But, you know, give her something to do. But also, is he taking advantage of, like, a grieving mother who needs to distract herself with something? Like, it, like were it any other person, would he be able to, like, force his hobby upon them, <laughs> like, this easily? I, I mean, probably not. Yeah, it had weird vibes. I... <laughs> yeah i mean what gave it weird vibes was like philip at the end of the episode being like yeah sometimes husbands and wives shouldn't tell each other everything (laughs) well okay not only that but that conversation uh uh at at the very beginning when they're uh uh, were they at like the daughter's like uh uh, like grave is that is that what they were overlooking um 
but they were having a conversation and he's talking about marriage and he's like, yeah, one thing people never consider when they make that commitment is like, you know, sometimes people grow apart. And that, like, how did that relate to the rest of the conversation <laughs> and what was going on that day? I I could not fathom why he would say that. Yeah, yeah. it's, um, it just kind of had the vibes that like he might go in for an unwanted kiss at any moment. Which, what, exactly. Uh, yeah. But but like we didn't like I don't think that this show would shy away from depicting that if that's what they wanted us to like believe happened here. But instead, it just gives all these like they, they give us all these really weird, vague hints without any kind of overt manifestation. I mean, I guess it's possible nothing did ever happen. It just feels like Philip doesn't know what he wants out of the relationship, I guess. Yeah. Um, I felt like this episode really reached in a lot of ways. It was a short episode. It was like 49 minutes, I think. But two of those minutes were like a montage of them restoring a carriage. Like this easily could have been like a 20 minute episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The other half of this episode is all about Diana and her doctor friend, who is a familiar face to us, James Colthurst, played by Oliver Chris, who we just saw in King Charles III as Prince William. Yeah. That was a pleasant I, surprise. I practically jumped out of my seat when the episode <laughs> began and we saw him because like he he was still so fresh in my memory and there he was and like, oh my goodness, it's all coming together. I liked him more here than... Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. in, in, fa- in fact, like I would argue that he was probably the one bright spot of the episode uh, because we are suddenly introduced to this like longtime friend of Diana's that we had never seen before. <laughs> they have a seemingly like uh, very pleasant platonic relationship. He's very supportive and protective of her um, and really kind of like has her back here. Just seems like an all around good guy. Like where was he in season four? Yeah, where was he ever? Yeah, exactly. Like we've, I think we have between us said like so many times, like where's Diana's like network of support? And they have made it, they've gone out of their way almost to isolate her and make it seem like she has no friends. And yet here's this guy all along. Where was he? And meanwhile, he's like dropping in at her house like several times a week. Yeah, by bicycle. That's like a workout. Yeah, <laughs> that's not he's an putting easy... in the effort. Yeah, well, he's putting in work. I'm glad they're starting to let her be with people. Especially considering, I mean, she lists out her other friends and it's like her acupuncturist, her... <laughs> her astrologist. Yeah, her astrologer, her, her osteopath, um, basically. Her osteopath. Um, yeah, this seems to be like the one guy who she like has been able to rely upon. If they've been friends for that long, I'm a little bit confused where he's been all this time. Yeah. And, and and again, the actor, like, putting in a great performance here, especially since, you know, it, it works more naturally as a screen performance compared to, like, the format of King Charles III. Uh, but, yeah, like, throw this guy into, like, the main cast. Like, you know, he is, like, yeah, he, he brightens up the scene. Yeah, I feel like it's likely we'll see him again. It doesn't feel like they wrote him out. He could easily show up in other episodes this season. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Basically, uh, he's a doctor, and after an event at a hospital, he's actually the one who's approached about uh, Diana's tell-all book, which I thought was was interesting. I guess that the tabloid writer just knows that they're friends based on kind of covering Diana for so long. That part was a little mm-hmm. unclear to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it must have 
Yeah, must have been made clear at some point. And and yeah, it sounds like uh, this public appearance that she's putting in at the hospital where he works um, probably wouldn't have happened if they didn't know each other. So they go play squash, they go have lunch, and this guy, he really just wants to write Diana's tell-all book. And the context is another tell-all book seems to be in the works, but from Charles's and Charles's friend's perspective which could be very damaging to Diana. And they never follow up on that. Like they, they never tell us whether that that rival book uh, ever sees the light of day. That would have been a more interesting story honestly than what we got here in the ground. A race season 5 to episode who can 2. Publish their book first. It's yeah. like the two fire festival documentaries. Correct. Yeah. yeah, just the race to publish this book and like amass as much first-hand accounts as you can. Like that would have been mm-hmm. super interesting. And also, they had interesting elements to this, right? Like, there's this, like, oh, is there a plot against this writer? Someone ran James off the road, and someone broke into Andrew's apartment. And they just, like, never follow up with those threads. Like, is there some sort of sinister plot? I don't know. It's just, like, they never, they they drop these crumbs, and then it's, like, they just leave them there. Yeah, again, not a great episode. I did think that it was interesting that, Diana thinks that people are listening to her phone calls. That was very creepy. Again, another one of those breadcrumbs that was just kind of left there. I felt like this easily could have become a horror movie, and that would have been more interesting as well. <laughs> well, we don't know what it'll become. We're on episode two. Who knows? And, and also, uh, like, we are we're in the Spencer era, right? Like, this is yeah. this is about the time of her life when that movie would have happened. But they basically come to this conclusion that. You know, Diana's initially like, I don't know about this. And then James is like, well, you know what? You actually never have to meet this guy. So you can have plausible deniability. What we'll do is uh, you can just record what you what your perspective has been. Uh, I'll be the middleman and I'll just give those tapes to this guy. And again, for Diana to have this much trust in this man, like <laughs> where was this guy? That's not that's not a job you give to just anybody. What and also like all the while like she she thinks that her phones are tapped and like that you know the walls are closing in around her like I like it seems like she has so much to be kind of nervous and paranoid about that it, it's almost surprising that she agreed to this in the end. We get her perspective on a couple things that we've seen in the past including the whatever in love means incident. We learn retroactively or retrospectively, I guess, that Diana at the time was mortified, but she was too scared to ask him what he meant. Oh, Diana. A lot of this stuff is like, I, I, I don't know, like I wish we had gotten it in the moment. Well, it, I mean, in fairness, she like at the time that that moment occurred, she was very young and, and probably didn't have the confidence to qu- question it. She talks about their wedding. She talks about the honeymoon that we didn't see. Again, how many references to the honeymoon we didn't see here in season five? Come on, Peter Morgan. Why didn't you show this honeymoon? It's a real, so yeah, they, it's a really long list of questions that uh, they ask. At first we get the answers and then like they start to cut away. I actually thought the answers were pretty interesting, but then Mm -hmm. they just kind of like zip through the last couple questions. I know, we had time for that. We definitely had time yeah. for it. 
Like they they really should have built the episode more around the recording of these tapes. Like you could have probably because it's it seems like she didn't do it all in one sitting. It was kind of spread out across multiple days and maybe even mm-hmm. weeks. And you really could have built an entire episode like where that's broken up by various scenes of her doing these uh, recordings. Yeah, it, like what a wasted opportunity. We also hear in this that um, apparently when Diana was pregnant with William, she threw herself down the stairs at Sandringham, which was something, again, that we didn't see. Like, we get so many references to things that happened that we never saw. Yeah, I don't know. What is it? I don't know if it would have been like a meta beyond the narrative thing of like they didn't want to show a pregnant woman like attempting suicide or whatever, attempting self-harm in some way. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of important. Yeah, it's to super her important. Mental state. Yeah. So I guess that's the the question is right. Like, is there a conspiracy between you know people running James off the road and people breaking into Andrew's apartment? It's also unclear if they took anything. Like, were these people looking for the tape, or was it just there a, wasn't anything taken? There was nothing taken. So I guess what's the point of breaking into somebody's house if you're not going to take anything? You're just going to ruffle through the papers. You just see there's nothing there, and then you're like, bye. Yeah, like we see like hints of intimidation, but with no follow up or payoff. Like, uh, yeah, again, I'm I'm very frustrated by some of the choices they made in this episode. Well, what I also don't get is it seemed like Philip was the first family member to learn about this, and like he probably wasn't like calling for this kind of stuff. So what? Where is this coming from? Well, that's the other thing. It's like why is the like why is the reason that Philip got tipped off to this because of like uh, you know cousin Norton like. How did it reach Cousin <laughs> Norton first? Cousin Norton himself can't be there to tell Philip. Like, why, Cousin Norton is literally right. not in this episode at all. Yeah, yeah. Like, why isn't Cousin Norton calling up Philip and giving him this heads up? Instead, it seems like he idly mentioned it to Penny, who just happened to remember last minute <laughs> right to before bring he it up leaves, to Philip. Yeah. <laughs> right before he leaves. Yeah. Oh, by the way, like, it's so weird. Super weird. I mean, unless they all just think Diana's always doing weird stuff like that all the time. So they're just like, oh, yep, Diana's doing another thing. Philip and Penny go on a carriage ride together. They're riding. Philip gives Penny the reins. And then Philip is like, let me take back the reins and drives them straight into a pond. That was, <laughs> that was hilarious to me. That? I don't know what the metaphor for that is. Water under the bridge. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, so then after... Penny tells Philip about this tell-all book that is coming out. Philip is like, well, it sounds like time for me to take some action. It seems like he goes straight to Kensington Palace, um, a place that he admits he hasn't been to in a very, very long time. Now, now, uh, Help, help me out here. Kensington Palace, that, that's obviously like where uh, Diana resides in London mm-hmm. when she is not at Highgrove, uh, if she even bothers to go there anymore. Um, and prior to like Diana and Charles like residing in Kensington, was there somebody else in the royal family that used it? Was it like Margaret? that we know? Is Margaret now at like, was she at Kensington House or, or like Windsor House? These are oh, all great know. questions. <laughs> Can't keep track of like everybody's like rent situation. I know. And like, I, are William and Harry living with Diana? Or are they so. going back and forth? They would definitely like, live on? with Diana. I can't see them at Highgrove. Yeah. Well, are are they still in school? Aren't they like kids? Like William, William was in boarding school, right? I don't think so. 
Well, William was in no, boarding he school. Was. Yeah. Didn't, didn't, didn't we see like that soccer match last season that Charles and Diana oh. had to drive out to see? Are they just always in boarding school and then they just go to different boarding schools? Yeah, that way the parents don't have to deal with them. I guess. William is also, I think, getting pretty close to like that Eton College age, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. I would think that's coming up soon. So, okay. Kids are in boarding school probably near London. So Philip comes in. First thing he says is that uh, there's no privacy at Kensington Palace and privacy and confidentiality are important. This sounds like a threat. <laughs> oh god what a, and what a segue that was another yeah. threat and then diana's like will you sit and talk to me and philip is like no i will not sit <laughs> like what is happening here they're so weird i wish we had seen them have like a good relationship like beyond the balmoral test like why does she want to talk to him after he threatened her in the tobias menzies era I'm kind of concerned. Like, is Penny giving Philip this, like, macho energy? It's like, no, I won't sit. We're going to have this conversation standing up. Or is that just a move he learned from Queen Elizabeth? That's what he learned from Queen Elizabeth. That's how they <laughs> rub off on each other. So so honing in specifically on, like, the Diana plot, um, I think we made mention last week that uh, the premiere was uh, directed by Jessica Hobbs, who directed the final two episodes of season four. Yeah. This episode is also helmed by uh, Jessica Hobbs. Uh, so that's four episodes in a row that she's directed. Uh, and, wow. yeah, how do we feel about... If you if you think of this as, like, a four-episode Diana-centered arc and this being sort of the conclusion of that story that jessica hobbs has been overseeing like it kind of seems like it's fizzled out here a little bit right well it yeah, just it feels like the they didn't keep a consistent like building up of tension into something that would result in like making this climax what it should have been which would have been you know her revealing all this very like emotionally fraught like heavy stuff that she's been holding in or like even just being like you know i'm done like catering to this family i'm gonna finally like make my move but yeah, it feels very disconnected. And if Philip is being used as sort of like a pawn to make this inner story arc work, this just like like we've said, this last meeting doesn't do what it's supposed to be doing. Right. And and again, we, we, we mentioned, you know, just mere minutes ago that like that conversation between the two of them very closely like paralleled the one that they had in the season four finale. But again, same director, same writer. Like if they were going for some kind of like repetition for effect here, it it, it really fell flat. Like I, I don't see how this was like the next logical step in the in the telling of Diana's unraveling. Yeah, yeah especially because the last one was stronger. Like it also had when Philip's talking about the system and he's talking about all the people that are involved in kind of like this revolving ecosystem around Queen Elizabeth, we had, and Ivan, I know you didn't like this, but we had the, the shots of all of those royals. This one was just, uh, I don't know, especially when you compare them back to back, it's like uh, this one was yeah. the worst just one. a very flat, like boringly directed scene. And also, like, I just don't understand why, like, it was like Philip got reset. Like, it's one thing if Diana's on her, like, same train of thought, because she never obviously had it changed by Philip's first speech. Why isn't Philip upset? Like, from his perspective, it's like, I've already given you this speech probably less than two years ago. Why are you still doing this? <laughs> if Philip really cared, like, he should be checking in with Diana more frequently rather than just in, like, moments of near crisis. Yeah. yeah, which I mean, granted, that kind of seems in character for Philip to not do that, but. And I don't really understand how Philip can walk away from that conversation 
go back to Buckingham Palace and be like, yeah, I sorted it out. It's fine. She'll stay Job done. <laughs> he really just wants to seem like he accomplished something. And so he's like, yeah, I did it. I did the thing. Like what context clues did you see to make you think that Diana was going to be okay after this, after you've had this conversation with her before? Well, see, Philip is an all-knowing and wise and persuasive man. So obviously whatever he says resonates with people. Duh. Philip sees this bird and he thinks he is the bird of prey. He did also like... uh outwardly admit that he thinks diana is hot and maybe he's just distracted by that to even like perceive <laughs> oh, like how she's reacting yeah oh philip stop going after people who are like 30 plus years younger than you he does tell diana to break whatever rules she needs in order to find her own Wait, happiness like, <laughs> what <laughs> what which they literally just told her last season not to do phil this is philip's rules now yeah. Yeah. And and it's weird because it like we haven't gotten any kind of indication in this first or second episode that Diana has like continued on with that behavior. Like, so why why encourage the thing that you reprimanded her for and then she seemingly stopped doing? That's I true. I think he only has one solution to unhappy marriages and it's have affairs. That's true. Yeah. At first I thought James Coldhurst was going to be another affair, but he's just like a, a random guy, like a normal guy who she's friends with. Yeah, I know. That was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> I also think at, at, at one point in time, I heard uh, Philip like uh, use the word like us or we in a sentence that implied that maybe he also had like a spouse that uh, they like was also friends with Diana. How many people are friends with Diana that we don't know about? But yeah, he goes back at, after that conversation. He goes back to Queen Elizabeth, tells her it's sorted. And then basically, again, tells Queen Elizabeth that, yeah, husbands and wives, they should have some secrets from each other. And Queen Elizabeth is like, what? What are you talking about? But like she disagrees with him, but then also like doesn't fight it or doesn't probe further. She's like, OK, give me an example of a secret you've been keeping. <laughs> She just, she wasn't, it was just a tiring day. She'll, she'll come back to that later. Yeah. And then, well, no, then she's like, well, you know what? God will, God will be the judge. And that's really like, what can you even say to argue with this, this argument, this logic? I, I feel like Elizabeth must hate like all her family. <laughs> Name one family member who hasn't like outwardly cheated. And she clearly doesn't like cheating. Okay. So at the end of the, the show, the book is in fact published. So Philip you were wrong. <laughs> um, and we see Morton go off on a series of, it seems like, television interviews to kind of publish, uh, publicize the book. Everyone's talking about it. And he says that he thinks that this is headed to an all-out war. And this feels like the same beat we ended the last episode on. Yeah, bring on the war. I'm yeah. ready. <laughs> How many episodes do you think we will tease the war before we will get the actual war? I mean, at this rate, we might get it in the season finale. <laughs> Honestly, it's been it's been very slow. That's really it. Like, I think that's a testament to like how little there was in this episode. But was there anything that we missed here? Well, I, I guess we can point to that little like documentary style at the very beginning with Philip talking about carriage riding and oh, yeah. just messing up the line. Yeah, he says, uh, what does he say? He says uh, he gave up the love of his life at 50. And then he has to backtrack and be like, I gave up the sporting love of my life. 
Yeah, to go find my fun elsewhere. And it's like, Philip. Yeah. Philip. Uh, admittedly, like when the way this episode began and then it just, you know, cut to the reveal of carriage riding being his new uh, hobby, that did put, a, you know, a smile on my face. Like, I'm like, all right, this is classic crown. They're going to they're going to cover something that's going to be just completely inane and pointless. But suddenly, like, you know, really <laughs> elevate it and provide it with some like huge historical significance. And they did nothing of the sort. I, I at least appreciate that I got to learn that carriage riding was a thing. I didn't know. If Charles uh, and his friends are, in fact, working on their own version of this book, would that have been a better B-plot? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you could have gotten rid of like the, the carriage riding and just had this be like a proper Charles and Diana-centric episode like uh, with them like you know mounting their respective uh, offenses. Yeah, because I don't. Charles wasn't in this episode, right? I don't think we saw him at all. He was in it, just like you know, briefly. And uh, oh, was it like, like during the funeral? Uh, he was in it during the funeral, and then at the end, uh, in like the final shot where they're all sitting, I don't know, in church or something, uh, and and they're next to each other. Uh, but yeah, he didn't. Uh, he didn't do much here. So that's really it. Um, yeah, let's let's just wash our hands clean uh, of this episode and move on. All right. Sounds good to me. Um, Kinky Crown Award? Yep. Let's do it. So you two each nominate the moment that you thought was kinkiest in this episode. And if you don't agree initially, then I will cast a tie-breaking vote. All right. Can I go first this time? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm, My nominee is Philip showing Penny how good he is with his fingers on the carriage ride. (laughs) Wait, 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 hold on. Did he like specifically like say like check out the finger work here? Like what was yeah, the- Yeah, he said the... you put this between these two fingers and this between and the bottom one between these two fingers. And then he touched her fingers so he could put them in the right position. Okay. All right. Carlin. Uh, mine was the interview where he says at the age of 50, I, what was it? I, uh, I gave up the big love of my life. <laughs> I gave up the big yeah. love of my life and looked for my fun elsewhere. Interesting. Okay. Huh. I feel like there were things that he said in this episode that were just far more inappropriate than either of these two See, lines. But Ivan, I knew that this was going to happen. As soon as you, <laughs> as soon as we uh, proposed this new format, I knew that you were going to be like, you know what? I have a, <laughs> I have a thought as well. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, co- I'm committed. I'm committed to this. Um, okay. I will go ahead. Carlin, what was yours again? Um, at the age of 50, I was left to love my life and look for fun elsewhere. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Sam with the finger work. All right. Congrats to Philip. Solid finger play for Philip. I mean, Philip was going to win either way. I mean, yeah, that's true. Proving he still got it at the age of however, is he 70? I think we can safely Uh, say he's 70. Ish, yeah. yeah. All right. So I think that's it for this episode of The Crown. Next week, we'll be diving into Season 5, Episode 3, entitled Mumu. In 1946, an Egyptian street vendor finds inspiration in the abdicated King Edward. Years later, he eagerly tries to integrate into British high society. Ivan, as our resident flashback expert, do you think we will see any cameos um, of the original David, or maybe even Claire Foy, in... Uh, next week's episode. Wait, so this is going to be 1946. So 1946. 
10 years after uh, David has abdicated, but still a few years before Elizabeth ascends to the throne, right? This is Bertie era. I guess, yeah, it would be too late. It would be too early for Claire Foy. Okay. All right. Um, in that case, I'm going to say that I would like to see David again. So, yes. Okay. I guess we shall see what happens. In the meantime, Ivan, if people want to chat about the crown with you, etc., where can they do that? Oh, uh, let's see. Why, why not just a uh, good old email for a change? I've got a, a nice little forwarding address, uh, me at ivanbukovic.com. Wow, you have your own uh, URL? I do indeed. Is there an ivanbukovic.com? Uh, there isn't. There, there, I just use it uh, really for the email domain more than anything. Oh, got you. You should build out that, uh, build out that website. Put your portfolio yeah, up there. <laughs> post, post links to all my favorite sites. Yeah, yeah, it can just redirect you to to other places. Um, yeah. Netflix.com <laughs> slash the crown. <laughs> yeah. Um, Carlin, what about you? Um, Twitter at Carlin Greenwald, Instagram at Carlin underscore G E E. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung. But the best place to reach us if you have any thoughts or comments or questions about the crown, the royal family, anything we've talked about here today is on Twitter at Crown Round Pod. And that's all we got for you. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. And God save the queen. God save, God the, save queen. the queen.